It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. A win is what it was. A thing of beauty, it was not. Welcome to another CBJ in 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Last night, the Blue Jackets went into Philadelphia. Jake Voracek returning to the city of brotherly love where he played for the past 10 years. Comes back in a Blue Jackets uniform just like he used to at the beginning of his career. And his team comes out with a victory. Again, was it the prettiest win ever? No. Was it one of the most needed wins ever? I would argue yes, after what happened in Florida on Saturday night when the Blue Jackets were beaten up by the Panthers, it was a much-needed win. Going into Philadelphia, taking on a team that had lost in nine straight, you have to take advantage of that. You're coming off one bad game, they're coming off nine bad games. And the Blue Jackets went in, and they found a way to take care of business. Oh, and oh, by the way, they were even able to do it with the first goal of the game being taken off the board for goaltender interference. They actually scored three, only two of them counted in the game. Oliver Bjorkstrand picked up his 12th of the year to give the Blue Jackets a 1-0 lead in the second period. Patrick Laine found the back of the net to make it a 2-0 game for the Blue Jackets. And then the Flyers, they did get a push, and they finally did get a goal. And I was a little bit concerned at the time because right before they got the goal, they were starting to spend a lot of time inside of the Blue Jackets' end We've seen that so many times this year where this team is protecting a lead and then they just get caught in their own zone and the other team cycles and all of a sudden you're in big, big trouble. Fortunately, this time it was against a Flyers team that just frankly isn't very good. And they had plenty of power play chances. They had all that pressure in the Blue Jackets' end and they still couldn't find a way to get it to a tie. The Blue Jackets were able to hold them off. They killed all the penalties off. Uh, they even with the six on five late in the game that was just another penalty kill for the Blue Jackets they took care of business and that's what they went there to do get two points that is exactly what they did and they can't feel very good about it for very long because they're back on the ice tonight and they'll take on the Pittsburgh Penguins this team is completely different than the one the Blue Jackets saw last night One thing that you should consider making completely different is the way that you handle your money in a financial institution. What am I talking about? You know. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Tell Ohio Credit Union. If you have your money in a bank, one of your questions probably is going to be, well, why should I join a credit union? Well, at Tell Ohio Credit Union, they've got the answers, or they have the answer to that. They have the answer to all the questions that you have. And you know what? In this day and age, you don't have to go in there and talk to somebody, which you can. You don't have to call them on the phone and ask somebody, which you can. You can just go online to tellhio.org. You can surf around their website. You can just take a look at things and see what they have, what they offer, and they'll tell you right there what gives them the advantage. And a lot of it is the way that they treat their customers. It's as simple as that. That is why they have been such a big part of the fabric of the community in central and southwestern Ohio for a long, long time. So go visit their website at tellhio.org and find out why they might be a fit for you. Tellhio Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. So the Blue Jackets taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight. 
And the Penguins, they just came off a long road trip. They finished their road trip with a big win in Vegas a couple of nights ago. They were back on the ice last night at home, taking on the Ottawa Senators, who are going to be here on Sunday, incidentally. And the Penguins got the win in that game. 6-4 to four was the final score last night. Ottawa did score three in the third period to make it close. But, you know, as they say, close, but no cigar. So when the Penguins come in, I do like to bring in a recurring guest because he is, uh, well, he's a self-proclaimed super genius. Now, he will tell me that it's not self-proclaimed. It's actually the truth, and you can prove it through an IQ test that he had many years ago. Anyway, that, that does not matter. I want to bring him in right now. He is the host of the Mark Madden Show on weekday afternoons on the flagship station of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network, 105.90X in Pittsburgh, he is also the co-host of the Ric Flair Woo Nation Uncensored. Here he is, Mark Madden. Mark, we're going to see the Penguins for the first time this year. It's hard to believe these two division rivals haven't played each other yet, but uh, I guess uh, for the Blue Jackets, they're catching the Penguins at the absolute wrong time because they are red hot right now. They just finished a long road trip in Vegas, of course, uh, then playing a home game before coming to Columbus. You were in Vegas which yep. I know I, I know you're very good at going to Vegas. I know you do that on a regular basis, but you were there. It, it's a specialty, Bob. Yeah. it's. Uh, was it just for the Penguins this time, or was it all-encompassing? Well, no, I, I like to catch the game there. I like Vegas. It's a good excuse to go. I stayed a couple extra days. In fact, I just got off the plane from Vegas before doing this uh, Zoom call, so I, I look like it. I look like an unmade bed, but, but that's kind of a uh, common look for me uh but yeah they're playing really well and that game at vegas was exemplary of 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 how they're playing they were down three zip played a bad first period these penguins can instantly regroup they have great leadership they have a veteran core and when things go bad they just straighten it out and and forge ahead to to be down three nothing at vegas which as you know is a very tough building and come back and win five three and and kind of win going away like once the penguins took control the Golden Knights really never got back in the game. It it, it was a Penguins rot for the last two periods. So that's a pretty big win. And uh, now moving forward, I think the goal is to move up the standings in the Metro Division. The Penguins won 10 straight not too long ago. And they put a lot of space between themselves and the lower teams in the Metro and, and pretty much have wrapped up a playoff spot already. But as we talk, they're still in fourth place. And I think for the Penguins to make a playoff run, they need to finish first or second. Not that they did that much good last year, but hopefully Tristan Jari won't blow up like he did in the playoffs last season against the Islanders. If they can get home ice and just avoid, you know, that flip-flop going to the other division in the wild card game, I don't think there's any team in the Metro, in the Metro division that they should be afraid of. Even Carolina, who were very good, I think they're a pretty decent matchup for the Penguins. So first and second, or second rather, and I think they can make some noise in the postseason. Does this surprise you at all? I mean, going into the season, I think I think uh, with every year as Crosby gets a year older and Malkin gets a year older, and heck, he hasn't even played until this last road trip, uh, and Latang gets a year older, I think there's there's a lot of thought from outside where, I'll speak for me, I hope that they're starting to get older and maybe it's coming to the end, and then all of a sudden they do what they're doing right now. Are you surprised that they're doing this? Uh, put it this way, Bob. I said on my radio show that they were 50-50 to make the playoffs when the year started. I thought the veteran core was aging out, much like happened in Los Angeles and Chicago and Detroit after their cup runs. And, and I'll be blunt, uh, I own up to this very freely. I thought and still do think they should have traded Malkin after the 2018 playoffs when they lost to Washington 
in the second round because I thought that's when his value would have been highest. He was, what, 31? He had a 90-plus point season, and he would have brought, brought back great return. And then you kind of rebuild around Sid for one more run, but they didn't do that. Malkin has played well since coming back. The key to this team, though, more than anybody, is Chris Letang. Chris Letang's in a contract year. This year and last year, arguably in his two best all-around seasons during his very storied tenure here with the Penguins. So you put that guy out there, he plays 25 minutes every night. Age has tempered his game in a good way. He rarely puts a skate wrong in terms of making a pinch anymore, which was kind of his weakness for the couple years before the last two years. Um, if you made me pick an MVP for the Penguins right now, if it's not Tristan Jari in goal, it would be Chris Letang. Is his play right now based a lot on the fact that he's healthy? Because this is a guy that has had major health problems uh, throughout his career, and it seems like right now he's settled in. He's just playing hockey. I think that's a factor, but I just think, well, like, like the great Jerry the King Lawler said, with age comes wisdom, but sometimes you just get old. With Chris Letang, the last two years have brought a lot of wisdom. Like I said, he's tempered his game. I think that's the biggest fact, that he's figured out how to – how to age into playing mostly his style, but with just enough compromise to, to minimize mistakes. And yeah, he stayed healthy, but, but Bob, he's always been a slave to conditioning. So it's not like he got these nickel dime injuries because he's not taking care of himself. It, it's just that he's uh, avoided, you know, he had the heart thing. He's had a couple other, you know, injuries and he's just avoided that and touch on wood. Let's hope that continues. You talked about Tristan Jari a couple of times. Of course, that has been a, a major problem for the Penguins, especially in the playoffs. You know, they, a couple of years ago, they deemed that he and Casey DeSmith, uh, they were going to be the two goalies. They thought they could win. They let Matt Murray go. They sent him off to Ottawa, and then Jari kind of imploded in the playoffs. What do you see differently about him right now that you didn't see last spring or last year at all? Well, we had a goalie coach change here in Pittsburgh. We went from Mike Buckley to Andy Kyoto, who was a former goaltender for the Penguins, played briefly in the NHL. Kyoto seems to let Jari more be himself. Mike Buckley treated all goalies the same. He was very cookie cutter in his approach. And uh, Jars just seems more comfortable this year. Uh, he's out in his crease more. He's controlling rebounds better. I mean, a lot of this sounds like goaltending 101, but it's stuff he had struggled with, especially in last year's playoffs. And you'll remember the, the famous cough up he had in game five to lose in overtime last year to the Islanders which pretty much lost the series. I mean, let's be honest, Jari pretty much lost that series. The Penguins have played the Islanders badly over those six games, but uh, he's cut down his puck handling. He used to do it too much. Now he picks his spots and is more effective because of it. So really the answer to your question is there's nothing about him I don't like, but I'll also be very blunt. I don't trust him until he wins the playoff series because that's when it counts. I wanted to ask you about that because We've just seen recently last week, we saw Carolina and Florida back to back. And when I look at those two teams, they're very good. They're very talented. Florida's running through people like a buzzsaw right now. But I've seen Sergei Bobrovsky in the regular season. I've seen him in the playoffs. And it's a lot different regular season to playoffs. I saw Frederick Anderson a couple of years ago, had a great regular season for Toronto, got into the bubble, played against the Blue Jackets, and the Maple Leafs lost in that series. And they were out. So I wanted to ask you about that. Using those guys as an example, and we're talking about Tristan Jari having playoff uh, struggles in the past. You know, when you look around, do you see how much how much stock can you put into what a guy's doing right now in the regular season, knowing how much different it's going to be when the playoffs get here? I can put no stock in it. The playoffs are a totally different breed of cat. 
I don't want to bury Jari moving forward in the playoffs because he's only had, you know, very limited experience. But I got to tell you, that's one thing that makes me optimistic with the Penguins is I don't think Freddie Anderson's going to win anything. I don't think Bob's going to win anything. But in Tampa Bay, what a goaltender they got, Andre Vasilevsky. I'm convinced, Bob, that he's one of the best five goalies I've ever seen. I put him up there with, and I'm old. I've seen Tretiak. I've seen Dryden. Uh, I've seen Patrick Waugh. I've seen Martin Verdor. And I think Vasilevsky is legitimately in a class with those guys. And that's why even though Tampa lost their whole third line, and I think a team naturally becomes jaded after you win a couple cups in a row. Not that Pittsburgh was in 2018. I just think it was Washington's turn at that point. But uh, but uh, Vasilevsky gives them a legitimate chance to win three in a row. He is the biggest uh, factor for them. And really, right now, you'd have to say, if you predicted, he'd be the determining factor in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I think Boston bringing back Rask, I think that's whistling past the graveyard. I think he's washed up, and I think they're past their window. But Vasilevsky's special. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And we've Because we played those two teams last week, Carolina and Florida, there's been a lot of discussion about how deep those two teams can go. And I'm like you, I, you know, you, they've got to prove it to me. Those goaltenders on either side have got to prove it to me before I believe they're winning a conference or they're winning a Stanley cup championship, because there's too much evidence in the past to point to the fact that uh, why should I believe they're going to be different this year? You know? Yeah, no, no question. And one thing about Carolina at the beginning of the season, Bob, I thought there were several teams that the Penguins couldn't beat in the best of seven. And that number has shrunk appreciably with the way the Penguins have played, and honestly, with the way some other teams have played. Carolina's really good. I really think the Penguins could beat them at a best of seven because Carolina plays a lot like the Penguins, and history shows it's very difficult to out-Penguin the Penguins. If you play like them, boy, you're just waving the, the cape in front of the bull. That's a bad approach, but I think it's the only one a team like Carolina has. Let me ask you about Evan Rodriguez. I can't believe what this guy's doing. Uh, going into the game on Thursday night, 15 goals, 15 assists. I, I saw him play in Buffalo. He wasn't that uh, impressive there. But all of a sudden, he seems like he has found his niche in Pittsburgh. What's, uh, what's made this guy play like this? He skates and he shoots. He shoots all the time. He leads the team in shots. And that's not a critique. I think every team needs a guy like that, particularly a team like Pittsburgh that tends to not shoot enough sometimes. He gets going with shooting. They get going with shooting. He's really in a hot streak, a rich vein of form. I don't know that it's going to keep up. I'll tell you one place where I feel sorry for the guy, Bob, is uh, now that we're healthy, he's off the top power play. And that is a profound mistake by a coach that doesn't make many. I think the world of Mike Sullivan, but they have Brian Rust out there now on the left half wall. Brian Rust, a real good hockey player. He's pretty hot himself right now. He doesn't know how to play the left half wall like Evan Rodriguez does. That is a specialty position, you know, both half walls on the power play are, and he knows exactly how to do it. Brian Rust goes out there in that spot, and he just plays like Brian Rust. Evan Rodriguez knows what the job is. Is that uh, – Brian Rust has been around longer. Is that favoritism? I don't know if that's the right word, but does he get that spot because of tenure? Favoritism is not the right word. Trust is. And keep in mind that when Rusty came back from a recent injury and then COVID, he's had a lot of hard luck. He scored seven goals in his first three games back. So you can't say that playing him is the wrong thing. I just think Erod is a better choice for that particular spot. For example, if you had Rusty play down low, one of the two guys down low with the way the Penguins operate on the power play, I'd have less problem with that. But then again, the two guys who play down low are Jake and Sid. Who are you going to pull off? Yeah, right. Exactly. Talking with Mark Madden. He's the host of the Mark Madden Show on the Pittsburgh Penguins flagship station 105.9 The X. 
Um, you know, uh, outside of Pittsburgh, Sidney Crosby is uh, not a loved figure uh, by the fans, especially in the Metropolitan Division. Which, which but makes no sense to me. I, 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 listen, I, I get it. I know. I mean, he's a class act. He's represented the game in absolutely the right way. And he just continues to produce what keeps him cranking at this same rate at his age? He's still 100% hockey. It's his life. It's his wife. It's everything to him. And, you know, that that's his sole approach. Uh, I do wonder if having had the wrist surgery, I, I'm, I'm 90% sure it's affecting him on face-offs, which he's not done as well this year. And I think sometimes he passes up shots because the wrist injury has taken away a bit of his confidence in that regard. But he still moves the puck great. He plays 200 feet. I wouldn't say he's at the very top of this game, but I think it's possible he will reach that before season's end. I think the NHL made an awful mistake leaving him out of the All-Star game. Now, I'm not sure he wanted to go. And maybe that I was going to say, when does he ever go? When does he ever – he usually finds a way out. He's usually really hurt. And, and, like, and believe me, I wouldn't cover for him in that regard because I've kidded him about it. When he, there's been a couple times he kind of you know, snaked out. But, uh, but you know, the, the only three hockey players that anybody – has ever really heard of outside of hardcore hockey fans are McDavid, Ovechkin, and Crosby. They should be in the game period because you want people to, I don't know, maybe actually turn on the TV. No knock on Chris Kreider. Nobody ever turned on a TV to see Chris Kreider play. Nobody ever bought a ticket to see Chris Kreider play. Great player, could play for me anytime, but this is about perception. And, you know, the perception is, why isn't Crosby there? That's what the casual fan thinks. That's one thing that, that a lot of entertainment genres have lost their way in, Bob. They don't understand. It's not about pleasing the people that are watching because they're already watching. It's getting more people to watch. So I can't believe Sid was omitted. I was glad Gensel was that late add-on, you know, the last man in type thing because I think he deserves it. Um, Sid's on a great line. He operates tremendous with Rust and Gensel. Uh, he is still, you know, he understands how to play any kind of hockey in any situation. You know, whether it's 200-foot hockey, whether it's attack off the rush, whether it's play down low. And i got to be honest, Connor McDavid still don't understand that. And that's why the Oilers are nowhere close to winning anything. Well, that, know, that, that and goaltending. Well, yeah, goal that's true too. But, but, like, but like when you have a goaltending problem, maybe you play a little bit differently in terms of the way. Like if, if your goaltending is not good, you can't, you can't just trade rushes the whole game. And McDavid and Dreisaitl want to trade rushes no matter what because that's how they play. It's not how we play, but it's how they play. And that's their concern. And until they understand that there's a different way to do things, they're not going to win in Edmonton. And I know they're like, what, one, two in the league in scoring, whatever it is they are. But the object is to win, not compile stats. And I don't think they quite get that. I, I like the showdown with Dreisaitl and Jim Matheson. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was good. Wait a minute. You know, when you say all of that, you know who you sound like to me? You sound like John Tortorella. Ooh. Well, I like Torts as a guy. I like Torts as a guy. And I like him on TV, too. He's very interesting. I just think his way of coaching is outdated in the league, be that better or worse. I just don't think there's a place for coaches like him anymore. I was going to say, though, for the last six years, whenever it was Blue Jackets Penguins, that was one thing that you could grab onto. You know, you had Torts there that you could – talk about for better oh my god he was great for business yeah (laughs) no question and the fact that sully was kind of a torch disciple made it good too well kind of a torch disciple i mean best buddies turned uh well they weren't really enemies but you know when they played each other 
they were trying to get the best out of they were trying to get the best of one another every time. Well, right, but they never turned on each other. They never yeah. really talked bad about each other. Which, no. which had they not known each other, probably would have been very easy for both to do. <laughs> yes, I totally agree with that. Absolutely. Hey, uh, and and of course this this whole matchup uh, that we're going to have Blue Jackets Penguins. I know it's it's lost. It's not the matchup of three, four, or five years ago by any means with the Blue Jackets in a rebuilding phase right now. But I got to ask you this: so is is the Penguins, and we'll see them four times now between now and the end of the year. Yep. Once it gets closer to the trade deadline, you know, wh- what do you think is going to happen, especially? in this conference and in this division, uh, you know, what kind of players do you think you might see move around? Are we going to see big name players move around this year? It's a weird division, Bobby, because, okay, here we are in the middle of January. And, and, and we know the old saw that, you know, if you're in the playoffs at Thanksgiving, you're probably going to make it. The loser point facilitates that. But now here we are in the middle of January and the eight teams making the playoffs, in the Easter conference are guaranteed. They're guaranteed. Like, usually there's a little bit of a battle at the bottom for the wild card spots. There isn't. There just isn't. And might I add, the best thing that's happened all season, the Flyers have lost, what, now nine in a row? Yes. And they lost 10 in a row before that. Oh, that's more glorious than D-Day. I could not be happier about that. Poor Cam Atkinson, though. He's a good player, and he's just, you know, he, he scored a big goal against Pittsburgh the last time they played. But that's a bad team. You know why? Because if you had a brain in your head, well, rather, if you had eyes in your head, you could see that Carter Hart was an ordinary goalie and they're counting on him to be Bernie Perrant. And he's nowhere near that never will be anywhere near that. But, uh, but again, the eight teams that are going to make it, are going to make it. Now they're just jockeying for position. I do think you'll see some big names move. I, I you know, I can't get a grip on what Hextall as GM is going to do here. He's made very few big moves since he's been here. Heck he's made very few moves period outside of acquiring Jeff Carter at the deadline last year, which has paid off really well for Pittsburgh. He's done, a terrific job as third line center and occasional top six wing. What really threw Pittsburgh for a loop is I was convinced it'd be a borderline playoff team. And then they would have to decide whether to trade Malkin or Latang at the deadline because they're both pending free agents. If you made me bet, I would think neither one stays next year. I, I know for a fact Latang won't give a hometown discount. I don't know about Malkin. But uh, I think they would have had to have traded Latang and or Malkin at the deadline. But now looking at another run, at least, you know, talking themselves into thinking it's possible. I don't think they will. Yeah. I, I don't know how you could do that. And I, and I understand, look, I only have to go back into recent past when Bobrovsky and Panarin were here and you knew they were both right. going to walk at the end of the year. But if you think you have a chance, you got to keep those guys, right? It depends how good you think your chance is. Right. I got I to gotta be honest. If I'm Hextall and I get to the deadline and I'm in fourth place, still a wild card, I at least explore trading those guys. I see what I could get. Cause I think you could get a first round pick for both of them, you know, eat one first round pick each and maybe something on top of that. Because as you know, it's such desperation time for the buyers at the trade deadline. But, but yeah. I, I just don't think it's going to work out that way. You know, that's a really good point. I want to go back to a minute ago. You talked about Carter Hart. And w- what I think is interesting about that is, um, remember the Flyers were so bad at the time and Ron Hextall was the GM there and he did not want to bring him out of the American Hockey League. As a matter right. of fact, he dug in and he wanted, he preached patience. And then somebody in the ownership got tired of patience and Hextall was out and Carter Hart was in the NHL. And I'll be honest with you, at that time he was playing well. And and I said, how could the ex-goalie and Ron Hextall not figure out all you had to do was bring up the goalie? You know, and you you know. gonna, obviously he did because when you, you look at the long play, that was the short vision of it. But the long play vision of it is 
yeah, he was right. And, uh, and the patience was, I guess, the right way to go. Yeah, but although it, it, even, even you know, that was a long time ago and Carter Hart's still not that good. You know, maybe he's just not that good. You got to like Bobby Clark and I love Clarky. Okay, he's one of the few things I really like about the Flyers. Always been good to me. He's come on the show. He's a legend as a player. Brought Karlamov's ankle, but they were the evil empire at the time. So I, I guess that's okay. But you got to love Clarky blaming Hextall now. Like talk about, oh, we wanted to draft uh, Kale McCarr and Hexy wanted to draft Nolan Patrick. Yo, dude, every single GM in the league wanted to draft Nolan Patrick then. That wasn't even an option to pick Kale McCarr over Nolan Patrick. You can't look back, you know, at, at, at what's happened since and say you should have done this. You can do that with a million draft picks all the time. So I thought it was kind of calculated by Clarkie to do that with Hextall being the GM in Pittsburgh. But he was right about uh, about Carter Hart, no question about that. Um, I, like I said, you know I hate the Flyers. I, we've, we've talked about that because my buddy R.J. Umberger moved back and forth between you guys and the Flyers. But, uh, but uh, I, I, you know, it's the same thing with Murray. You mentioned Matt Murray earlier because uh, – He's with Ottawa now, and he, you know, he went to the minors. He had a bit of hiccup this year, but he's never been the same goalie. Honestly, here's the true story, Bob. Matt's never been the same since his dad passed. His dad passed at a young age, and that has affected him profoundly ever since. And I hope he can, you know, really have a great career. But everybody talks like the Penguins should have kept Flurry and let Murray go. And that was a terrible move. No, actually, it's the move that every single general manager and coach in hockey would have made at the time to keep a younger goalie, less expensive, who just won two Stanley Cups. Point being, you can make exactly the right move and it still doesn't work out. That happens a lot more than people want to acknowledge for the sake of second guess. Speaking of Marc-Andre Fleury, does he wind up the season in a Blackhawks uniform or does he wind up somewhere else? I don't know, won't be here. He's too expensive to come here. And I actually think if you brought him here as the quote-unquote backup, you would get Jari looking over his shoulder for the playoffs, and I don't think you want that. You either commit to Jari or you don't. I don't know. I mean, uh, Mark's had a tough time in Chicago because they're not very good. But I still think he's a great goalie. I can't believe that's a – you talk about your bad moves in goal. I can't believe Vegas traded the reigning and defending Vezina Trophy winner to keep a guy who's always been inconsistent and shaky. I mean, there are good years for Laner, bad years for Laner. Hopefully he's conquered his demons. He's a good guy. I wish him well. But I don't see how you don't keep Marc-Andre Fleury in that situation, especially given what he meant to the Vegas franchise literally since day one. But, but DeBarre liked Laner better. And that's just how that worked out. But uh, I, I don't know what Mark's going to do next year. That's going to be really interesting because – what if Jari doesn't win a playoff series this year and Mark's a free agent? Yeah, would that be a – would he have to do a hometown discount thing there? Well, if I were him, I wouldn't, but probably. Yeah. Um, you know, Rutherford, when he was our GM, really tried to get Mark back uh, before he got traded to Chicago. I mean, I'm talking two years ago now because obviously Hexy was this past offseason. But, uh, but Jim told me – can I say off the record? It wouldn't be off the record then. But it, I, I think the statute of limitations is passed. Uh, Jim told me that the owner in Chicago, in, in Vegas rather, Bill Foley, just didn't want Flurry to come back to Pittsburgh because he wanted Flurry to be remembered as a golden knight, which is the crazy kind of crap owners do. Yeah, well, so much for that. That didn't work that way anyway. So, 
At least well, he did get Flurry. Flurry won three cups here. That's what he's yeah. going to be remembered as. Yeah, absolutely, no question about that. Talking with Mark Madden, the host of the Mark Madden Show on one hundred five point nine The X in Pittsburgh, but also the host of the Ric Flair Woo oh, Nation God. Uncensored Ooh. podcast. Uh, you were wrestling for a long time. Uh, in well, eight years, in, not that long. It seemed like fifty. Yeah. <laughs> Well, all right, that's fair. But uh, how did you make- look at me? You think I look like this without eight years of wrestling? <laughs> yeah, good point. How do you and the Nature Boy get together and, and start this venture? Who talked who into it? Well, I've been friends with Rick since uh, since the 80s, believe it or not, when I wrote about it for the Post Gazette. And then we worked together at WCW. But we've always been close. No, we've always kind of had this in our back pocket that we're going to do it sooner or later. We, you know, we talked to a couple of different companies, including Podcast One which, you know, is the biggest podcast network in the country, but things didn't work out there. So we do it for a guy named Dave Green now, and he runs a podcast network for wrestling. Conrad Thompson, who is the podfather for wrestling, he's the biggest wrestling podcast guy. He's affiliated with this as well. That's Rick's son-in-law, by the way. He married Rick's oldest daughter, Megan. So, um, so yeah, it, it's fun to do. I mean, it's, uh, you know, Rick's 72 and I'm 61, so our memories get tested a lot, but it's uh, it's a blast and, you know, um, uh, most of the fun I've had in my life has been because I knew Ric Flair. And if that's an exaggeration, it's only a slight one. So I love doing it. And, uh, you know, we're moving forward. Uh, this is the uh, roughly right now, the anniversary of one of his greatest moments ever, which was winning the 1992 Royal Rumble upon arrival in WWE, not, not too long into his tenure there after years as the standard bear for the National Wrestling Alliance. And uh, Rick went 60 minutes. It was just a cataclysmic performance, uh, very memorable. I was there live, not in any capacity, but just to watch it. And um, so it's, it's a big time looking back at that stuff. That was a huge moment. I liked your uh, the latest episode there where uh, you, you mix a little hockey in where you were talking about your old Bob Probert stories with uh, Ric Flair. Oh, my God. Proby used to come backstage whenever we were proximate, like Detroit or Chicago. He participated in an angle one time where uh, – we had a guy, ex-Ultimate Fighter, Tank Abbott, who wanted a title shot at our, our champion, Bill Goldberg, and he was beating up random people until he got his title shot. Well, I was the first random person. You can see that on YouTube, and many people do that. That actually, it was no danger at all. Tank was wonderful to work with, was light as a feather, especially with a guy like me who didn't do that stuff. But he ripped my shirt off. I wasn't crazy about that being on national TV. But, uh, but Bruce MacArthur works. Who's, a, who's one of the worst family, one of the Chicago Blackhawks, you know, owners. He, he was Rick's roommate at prep school way back when. And they've remained close friends, the general, General MacArthur. And so uh, Bruce was one of the guys tank beat up too. And Proby was there and he made the save. He came in and pulled uh, Bruce to safety. You couldn't have tank and, and Proby exchange blows because nobody's going to come out of that looking good. You know what I mean? Right. But uh, yeah, but Bob was a delight. Uh, Every time I ran into him after that, after wrestling, he remembered me, was always very gracious, certainly had his problems, but he was, he, he was the best tough guy ever. He was the guy who combined that element of it and the skill part of it, the goal scoring, inconsistent in that regard, but better than everybody else. Uh, and I thought he was a diamond guy. I really liked being around Bob. And, and he liked being around wrestling, too. He couldn't, that, that, he, he couldn't get enough. He was such a groupie, but it was great. Hey, are the best days of wrestling behind us? I got to yeah, ask. Yeah, but you nobody that. wants to admit that. Yeah, because I, I wants to admit that. Like, 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 less people in America watch wrestling now than ever before, Bob. Ever before, 
okay? The ratings, the live crowds, the lack of live shows. And this is dating back before the pandemic. That's not an excuse. And you would think the pandemic would increase the TV rating, right? But like, I'll give an example. This new promotion, which is the, which is the flavor of the day, AEW on TBS and TNT, right? It's owned by Tony Khan, who is the son of Shad Khan, who owns the Jacksonville Jaguars and Fulham Football Club at England. Uh, they, they hover on their Wednesday show, their big show on national cable TV, between 900,000 and, and, and 1.05 million per week, right? Yep. Okay, when I worked at WCW, if any of our programs on TBS or TNT would have drawn 1 million viewers, there would have been machine gun fire. Okay, people would have gotten canned. There would have been major changes in the creative direction. But now we get the excuse, well, you can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on, on whatever social media. There's so many ways to view it. No, it's about TV. Wrestling's a TV product. The, the rating for Raw on Monday night has shrunk steadily. The flagship right now is SmackDown on Fox. They still do pretty well. That's because Roman Reigns and uh, Charlotte, the daughter of the aforementioned Ric Flair, are the staples of that. But, uh, but no, it's not that popular anymore. You see, the big problem was when, when they broke kayfabe and everybody you know, goes on the internet now and knows not only what happened, but why. I'll give an example. Uh, AEW has, allows blood. WWE doesn't use blood except very sparingly, but AEW has blood pretty frequently, which is done by taping a razor blade to your figure and at the opportune time, nicking. Okay, gigging, they call it. Blading, whatever the terminology Okay, and they, they've had women performers blade recently, okay? And you know, I'm not sexist. Uh, if the men can do it, the women can do it, right? But getting back to what I just talked about, about how everybody knows it's, it's pre-scripted. I, I hate the word fake, it's not fair. But, but since everybody knows they're doing that, why would you do it? It adds no drama to it. It's a health hazard. Uh, as Ric Flair said about his daughter, who's never bladed, he goes, I wouldn't want my daughter to do it. I did it, but I wouldn't want her to do it. You know, why would you do it? If everybody knows that it's, it's something that is done for dramatic purposes, as opposed to somebody, you know, actually being busted open, as they say, why would you do it? You know, the problem is, is that everybody knows the mechanics of it now. They know the inside track and it's lost its luster because of that. There's a group of hardcore people that will watch every show and spend more dollars than ever before to support it, but it's just not that popular anymore. You know what I miss on it? The characters. I mean, really, it's the characters that would- For instance. Bring me to it. Well, I mean, like when, when uh, back in the old, uh, Roddy, Roddy, Roddy Roddy Piper was my favorite of all time. I just love the way he carried himself in the old Piper's pits. That was the beginning of, you know, eventually makes its way to what The Rock did when he was in the ring. The kind of guys like that, that you just- you know, I, I could watch that many times more than I could watch the actual match. Well, I'll tell you guys, you should watch then. And, and like I said, to say it's not popular now doesn't mean there aren't some great performers. Like Rick's daughter. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm that's true. Right, just because I've known her since she was a little girl. But she's the best female performer ever and arguably one of the top 10 performers of all time for either sex. You know, I had an idea one time when the, uh, should I tell this? Uh, I had an idea one time when, when both were without significant others. I want to fix up Sidney Crosby with Charlotte Flair. <laughs> they would have been perfect. Seriously. Both conditioning freaks, both really, you know, focused on their career. She has her own money. I mean, Sid has a girlfriend, Kathy, that's wonderful. You know, this, this, this was, I'm talking this way back when, right? 
and she's wonderful. And, and Sid and Kathy have been together forever, but just one of my crazy ideas, Bob, because I like to poke my nose in where it doesn't belong. Yeah, and well, also, and also, as I said at the time, I go, Rick would have taken like three or four years off Sid's career too. He's taken three <laughs> or four years off my life. But, it, but, but anyway, so there's some great performers now. Um, Charlotte, to my mind, first and foremost above them, Roman Reigns on SmackDown is great. Yeah. But, but if you like Piper, you need to go to AEW and watch a guy named Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF. Piper was his inspiration, but he doesn't imitate Roddy. Okay, I always say that Max channels Roddy. You know what I mean? He, he's like an updated Roddy. And one thing he does, and this gets back to what we talked about before, he never breaks character. Not in the ring, not out of the ring, not on Twitter. He never breaks character, never breaks kayfabe. And he is that much more effective because of it. That's the next really big star, Maxwell Jacob Friedman. All right. I'm going to check it out. I trust you, my friend. You know much better and, than me. And if he heard me say that in a public forum, he would tell me, you're right, but you're an idiot. He never breaks character. <laughs> well, Mark, thanks so much. I appreciate the Penguins preview. I appreciate the, the wrestling breakdown, too. It's uh, I know I can get it all with you, my friend, and that's why Bob, I want no, to bring it's you It's always on. a pleasure talking to you. I will, uh, I will see you soon enough because, like, and we'll get you on my show before one of the meetings here in Pittsburgh for certain. Um, and uh, when's Voracek going to score another goal? I don't know. He's kind of keeping that close to the vest right now. You know, the one is good enough for him for this time. I don't know. He's coming back. He's off the COVID protocol this week. So, uh, you know, getting to play in Philly against hey, the Flyers. He's, he's a good player. He's yeah. a good guy. Once a flyer, always a flyer. How much is losing Seth Jones hurt you guys? Uh, it hurts. Yeah, I mean, it hurts a lot, but I'll be honest with you. I, I think that Zach Wierenski is a better player without Seth Jones, believe a, it or not. I think Zach Wierenski is a better all-around defenseman. Yeah, I've yeah. always thought that. And, but but I will say this: I, I think that there were times where you know Zach would get so concentrated on being offensive that there were mistakes made that you never even saw because Seth was his defense partner and he just kind of cleaned it up. But yeah, I, no I, I, but as it's gone on and Zach has matured, I, you know, Mark, he said during the uh, during the offseason when the trade happened, he made it really clear that he was looking forward to being the number one guy. He wanted to yep. come out of the yep. shadows and not be. You know, he didn't want it to be Seth and Zach. He wanted it to be Zach. And yep. he's played all year like that, to be honest with you. I mean, and he's, he's, a, been... he's a good guy, too. And Seth, Seth's a good guy, too. But I'll tell you, I'll leave you with this. Seth Jones is a delicate fit. He has to be with exactly the right kind of team. Now, with you guys, he was just there so long that it became organic. But I'll tell you a quote from a friend of mine who works in the Chicago organization. When they signed Seth Jones, he said to me, we got exactly the guy we should. And even though he's a great player, he's not fit yet. He's not fit. You don't want that guy to be on an old fading team where he's going to feel like he has to do too much. When he was partnered with Zach and Columbus, I thought the way Seth played was very organic. And now in Chicago, him playing the same way feels a little forced. Yeah. Well, you know what? Yarmo did a pretty good job on what he got out of that trade for the no position question. he was no in. No question. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, you know what will happen now? Borchek and, and Wierenski will both score like two goals each against Pittsburgh. And, and there you go. Well, I hope you're right. Mark, thank you so much. Appreciate it, my friend. Thank you, Bobby. We'll talk soon. That is Mark Madden. He hosts the afternoon drive on the flagship station of the Penguins Radio Network, 105.9 The X in Pittsburgh. He is also the co-host of the Ric Flair Woo Nation Uncensored podcast with the nature boy, Ric Flair. I think we covered it all. We covered the hockey. We covered the wrestling. It's all covered.
Now all that's left is to play the game, and that's what the Blue Jackets will do tonight at Nationwide Arena. They will take on the Pittsburgh Penguins. The puck will drop at 7 o'clock this evening. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 on the Blue Jackets radio network, including the flagship station in Columbus, 97.1 The Fan, and the pregame show on Valley Sports Ohio also begins at 6.30 tonight. Should be a good matchup between the Blue Jackets and the Penguins. We'll see if the Blue Jackets can put together back-to-back wins against a very formidable opponent in the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's going to do it for this edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.